My pre-pre-game show, I'm Joe, the Moody Cat Weston, joined by our radio roustabout, Ned Mernels. Thank you. That's very nice. Beautiful day in the Ozarks. Beautiful night for football. On the other mic is John, Johnny Bravo, <laughs> Bravo <laughs> Oliver. How you doing, John? That's that's only my nickname on weekends. Come on. That's only your weekend nickname. That's right. Okay. All right. All right. So let's talk about it. Let's get straight to it. Last week. Chiefs and the Chargers, were you surprised by this game at all? I like to think that professional athletes do not look ahead, that they take game at a time, to use the old cliche, or play at a time, whatever circumstance you wish to allude to. Uh, but I'm not so sure the Chiefs did not look ahead to the Baltimore game coming up tonight. That Having said that, the Chargers are not that bad a team. They did lose yesterday to a team they should not have lost to, I, and I don't think the Carolina Panthers, but they did. The fact remains that uh, the the Chiefs did not look as sharp as they can playing the uh, Chargers. I think they're a better team than that. But Kansas City has the championship mentality, and that makes a difference. They weren't playing well, and yet they kept the game close. They knew somewhere along the line they were going to come up with a big play, and they did the 54-yard bomb from Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. That ignited the fuse. That's what Kansas City can do. And that's how I expect this game tonight to really be really be adjudicated in many respects. John, your thoughts on last week's game? It was uh, it was a surprising game. I'm sure a lot of Chiefs fans were kind of taken aback by, you know, how close it was and it went into overtime. Justin Herbert, young quarterback, looked phenomenal. You know, Tyrod Taylor is nothing to sneeze at by any means, but he took over amicably. Almost led the Chargers to victory. But Ned said it best. This team knows how to win. And there has to be a lot said about Harrison Butker under pressure, oh, yeah. having to kick that field goal twice or three times. Three times. Three times. Right. So, I mean, I, it's just impressive, you know, from 58 yards to be able to consistently hit that. It looked effortless. effortless. And, and he did it without any show of emotion. Correct. Kind of a stone face approach to it. Like, all right, hey, mm-hmm. throw at me whatever challenge you want. I'm going to beat the thing. That's, that's right. That's very impressive. We've talked about a lot, a blueprint for the Chiefs, a blueprint to defeat the Chiefs. And we, week in and week out, say, has somebody finally nailed it? Do you think the Chargers nailed it? Well, in a sense they did, but, but Joe, it isn't really, in my opinion, any secret. There's no, there's no definitive plan for stopping their offense other than keep the offense off the field. And I thought the Chargers did a very good job of that. They ran the ball well. In fact, in the Chiefs' first two games this year, Houston and Los Angeles, uh, Kansas City's allowed a total of over 300 yards rushing. Well, they continue to do that, and some team, like maybe Baltimore tonight, is going to come along and pull a big surprise on them. When you keep that explosive offense off the field, they can't score. So the Chiefs really have to concentrate on their defensive game, stop the other team, force them into mistakes, that is how you beat Kansas City. John, I thought the pressure on Patrick Mahomes last week was probably the most that we've seen in his career. What are your thoughts? On I that? completely agree, and I think that had them back on the heels along with the fact, like I previously mentioned, they were preparing for Tyrod Taylor. We Nobody knew that the trainer was going to puncture his lung in the locker room. <laughs> and and so it's a... It was a doctor. Or doctor, doctor yes, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, they... 
And I think Ned brought up a good point of them looking past this game. And I, I hate to break it to Chiefs fans as much as we want to think this. They're likely not going to have a perfect season. There are going to be one or two weeks where something goes wrong. And this was a good, good job of taking one out of the wastebasket, if you will, that could have been one of those losses. You know, you guys, and, and you both know this, but there are many of the casual fans in the audience who don't realize or don't or pretend not to realize this. These are professional athletes. <laughs> they are. They are the top-level players in the country. And uh, when when a circumstance arrives in which somebody else is going to win the game, that's the way it's going to be. You see it in baseball. You see it in basketball. And we'll see it in football. There is, in my opinion, no such thing as an unbeatable uh, machine of any sort. There are machines that are better than other teams, sure. Mm-hmm. But unbeatable? Nothing. That old cliche that is either Burt Bell or maybe Roselle or one of the commissioners on any given Sunday, in any given game, it can happen. We've seen it in the pros. We've seen it in college. You see it in sports. And it's becoming more a part of our sports scene now because the athletes are so good. Absolutely. We are producing great quality athletes in this country, and uh, they're not all going to be on the same team. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports show as we get prepared for the kickoff of tonight's game. Probably, you know, when people looked at the NFL schedule, they circled this one big red pin. Because these are the two teams that everybody expected to be in the AFC championship last year. Baltimore didn't help out. But tonight we get what could be an AFC championship preview. And you can interpret in Webster's Dictionary people as defined as Television. Oh they well, come on. <laughs> we talked about it too. We thought that this was gonna. We, I mean, going into the playoffs, Baltimore and Kansas City looked like one and one A. And then, you know, as you said, any given Sunday they tripped up and they lost. So maybe looking ahead to the Chiefs. So, but I don't think that's going to happen tonight. I think both teams are focused on who's in front of them. Well, they know what the situation is. They know it's on national television. I mean, come on. These are college guys, former college guys. They have a good mentality about them. They know it's a showcase game. I think you'll see a really solid, hard-hitting. That's the key. I think it's going to be a hard-hitting football game, and I am not convinced it's going to be as high-scoring as everybody thinks it is. Well, I it's been a long time, so I have to go in the Wayback Machine to the beginning of last year. Talking about Lamar Jackson, he is, like Patrick Mahomes, a once-in-a-generation player. I think he's proven that. He gets better week by week. You just don't have another quarterback in the NFL that is such a threat on the ground and in the air. And, you know, it's going to be a tough-fought battle. One thing the Ravens have going for them is Marquise Brown, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. He has figured it out. He's always had the talent. He looks exceptional through the first couple of weeks. So this is going to be a dogfight. And you just made a very good point, John, in terms of personnel. You mentioned Brown on the offense. My guy is Patrick Queen, who Mm -hmm. is in the middle of their line. He's their number one draft choice out of LSU. He already has 17 tackles in two games this year (laughs) and one sack. This guy's a horse. And you know fully well that when he lines up tonight, uh uh-huh, there's Mr. Mahomes back there. All right, Patrick, 
coming after you, buddy. Now, that's where the offensive line is going to have to come into really uh, stern, concentrated play on the part of the Chiefs, keeping that guy and some others. This is not, this is not a uh, last-place defensive team. No. They can play, and they can play well. Mm-hmm. Former Chief in there, Marcus Peters, yes. he'll be in the backfield. I think he can be picked on by Patrick Mahomes and perhaps shown for what he is. But the uh, guy was a great star at Washington. Well, the offensive line did not look that great last week. Against not at all. It didn't look good at all. Nick Bosa had a great game. And a yes, couple other guys did. in the Chargers lines had a great game. But, again, one of the things that I think separates the Chiefs from other teams is they figure out a way to win a game. And exactly. last week it was Patrick Mahomes. Every time that the ball – that. The seas parted, he went downfield, and, and they picked up some big plays with Patrick Mahomes' legs. They, and and there, there's the point that uh, we're trying to make. Lamar Jackson uh, running and passing, and from an athletic standpoint, is arguably the better of the two players. But with the acumen for football, the intelligence, and the leadership capabilities – I'll cast them to Patrick Mahomes any day. Exactly, exactly. John, your thoughts? I can't agree more. I know it was controversial when the Madden ratings came out. You know, unfortunately, that's something athletes pay attention to now are video game rankings. And, you know, Jackson was ahead of Mahomes in those. And I can see why. But, again, I don't ever want to discount what Patrick Mahomes can do with the football. He is a born leader. He comes from an athletic family. And he is just... Again, we've got two generational quarterbacks we get to enjoy in this game. Let's talk about this for just a second. It's Who's Hot in the NFL, and it's brought to you by All Service Air Service. Ned, your thoughts on so far, we're just two weeks in. We didn't have any preseason, but who are you seeing that you really like? Other than the two that we're playing tonight, uh, Buffalo Bills. I think they Mm -hmm. have played very well. Uh, even in a losing game, the Los Angeles Rams are yes. a, a pretty good football team. <laughs> yep. Seattle has a nice ball club. Uh, there are there are several that just might rise up. I mean, this is a young season. Come on, a whole lot can happen. Uh, but I, uh, those teams have been particularly impressive. And Tampa Bay. I do like Tampa Bay. No, they have not run teams out of the ballpark, but hey, you have Tom Brady and you have a veteran team. They remind me very much of many, many, many years ago, the Washington Redskins and their over-the-hill gang. They, they, and the Redskins brought this, this group in there in the 1970s to do exactly what they did, and that is the experience to overcome all sorts of deficiencies, and they went on to a championship and won a Super Bowl. Well, you don't do that all the time, but that's what the Bay Bucks remind me of now. The other side of that coin is uh, Buccaneers two and one, Patriots two and one. Mm-hmm. The which, Patriots. Which are team? Do you, which team do you like better? Bucks. Okay. And I'll tell you, I, I like Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton is with an outstanding organization, and I do think the Patriots will be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But of the two teams, I really like the leadership of Brady and the people he has, and that does not denigrate Cam Newton at all, nor Belichick. I just think the teams are a little bit better balanced. John, who have you liked so far as the season began? Sorry, I misspoke a minute ago. We're three weeks in. That That is. It's three weeks in. Uh, I do have to go back to somebody I mentioned back in week one, and this isn't a I was right thing, but watch out for what Calvin Ridley is doing this year. 349 yards in the air. He 
if some you would have told someone after two, you know, three weeks he had more receiving yards than Julio Jones, <laughs> they would laugh you out of the room. But he is an exceptionally gifted receiver. He's going to continue to put up big, big numbers this year. And I think he'll put himself in that upper echelon of receivers in, in doing so. Are you surprised, too, when you look at the standings and you see how many good teams are the NFC West and how many bad teams are in the NFC East? <laughs> I mean, uh, aren't the aren't your Eagles at the top of the NFC East? They can't or, be being 0-3 or, 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 or somebody, 0 and 1. No, I think yeah, I think maybe possibly they are or the Cowboys well, are at 1 and 2 there at top yeah. of that division. It's probably Dallas. Uh it is it's one of those phases that all pro sports go through. One division is better than the other. There were many years when the National League in baseball was so superior to the American League. Oh, yes. And now I think the pendulum has swung. You have a different power aspect in the American League. And the same thing is in football. Only the football transitions are going to be a whole lot more rapid because of the differential in players and the the various uh, the variables, I should say, that, that come into circumstances like this with a change in players. So I think what you'll do is see these differences crop up every so often. But, yeah, right now there is a large difference in uh, the disparity in talent, yes. The team from Washington is 1-2. and two. The Cowboys are 1-2, and two, so they're tied for first. Eagles are in second place with an 0-2-1 and one record. <laughs> And the Giants are in a close third place at 0-3. And That's the, anybody's division. The 0-2-1 and 1 with Philadelphia is really disappointing. The 1 is a tie yeah. yesterday yes. with the Cincinnati Bengals who can't beat their grandmother. Come on, what, what is this? <laughs> but I, I, I think Philadelphia is going to get things turned around. Uh, I'm wondering if Carson Wentz may not have some injury problems. And the New York Giants... I thought, in all honesty, I thought they would give the San Francisco 49ers a really tough game, and it wasn't really tough at all. It was 38-9, to I think, or something like that. Well, the other side of the coin on that is that division, uh, the NFC West, it's the Seahawks on top, 3-0. and Cardinals 2-1, and Rams 2-1, and 49ers 2-1, and 49ers <laughs> in the Super Bowl last year, and they won two straight, and they're <laughs> technically in last place right now. Right. It's 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 the way the pro sports operate, and and by uh, by mid season, Joe, that may all turn around. It's, mm-hmm. It is that the variables are that uh, much increased in the level of professional sports now that anything can happen, and probably will. It's uh, it's a wild season to start with, mm-hmm. to say the least. We'll get to the quarter poll next week, and uh, just want to say thanks for everybody for hanging out with us tonight as we get you set for the football game. The pregame show is coming up in about 45 minutes. Ned and I and John will talk in a minute about our fantasy picks and the injury report. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Yes, we are. We're getting set for kickoff that's coming your way right around, what, tonight? 725? About 725. About 725. And then we've got the pregame coming up for you in a little bit. Starts at about 42 minutes to I've be presented. Joe, a question that I have not asked Art Haynes yet when, he, when I, he and I get together, which isn't all that often. 
But these, you know, he follows us. He and Holdus follow us. We're on for an hour. Yeah. These offshoot games that start at 320, 325, 725. I wonder how they feel about that because they're going an hour and a half. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. John Oliver's got our injury report for us, and that is brought to you by Morrison Webster and Carlson. I do. Uh, I've got some good news or what may be bad news. Sorry, if let me let me rephrase that. It's brought to you by Morrison, Webster, and Carlton. Sorry, Mr. Carlton, I got your name wrong. We'll get that right now. <laughs> Injury report, John. So for the Chiefs, uh, Sammy Watkins is questionable. He's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, Chavarius Ward is questionable. Dorian O'Daniel and Okafor is out for tonight's game. Ooh. On the other side of the ball, no one has been ruled out for... The Ravens, Chris Moore, the wide receiver, is going to be questionable. Justin Matabuke, say that seven times fast, a defensive tackle <laughs> is questionable. Anthony Levine, the safety is questionable. And DJ Fluker, their guard, is questionable. You know, Mike, the intern and I talk frequently because he has one of my dream jobs. He's one of the field announcers at Hammond's Field. field. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you know, if, if you give me a, ch- a shot, I would love to sit in for it. And he goes, nope, you don't want to do it. You don't want to pronounce those names each and every week. So I always, always think, yeah, I'd surely make a fool out of myself if I did he that. Has, Mike has a pretty good point when he talks about that because many of the names are from the Caribbean, mm-hmm. the Dominican Republic, and Venezuela, and Colombia, and places like that. But pretty soon you get their, their rhythmic names. And once you establish a rhythm about them, you can uh, you can get into it at least on the play-by-play aspect of things. He's not doing that. He's calling their names once, <laughs> yeah. and that, that can run into yeah, problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about college football. Let's find out what's brewing in college football. It's brought to you by Arctic Food Equipment. Ned? Well, certainly the Oklahoma loss to Kansas State was a major surprise, especially considering the fact that the Sooners were up by three touchdowns and let K-State back into the ballgame. Well, that tells you something about the focus of – Lincoln Riley and his whole scheme of things with his staff at Oklahoma. They are an offense-oriented team. And uh, certainly Spencer Rattler, their quarterback, is, is among the best. And they have world-class receivers. This is, this is just a terrific offensive unit. But there are two aspects to football, offense and defense. And they're not playing any D at all. They, they let a Kansas State team that was beaten by Arkansas State last week back into the game and won it. And I thought that Oklahoma did not show their tough mentality uh, when Kansas State uh, got closer and closer. I thought Oklahoma folded. I didn't think that – I thought they panicked. I thought they lost concentration on the game. They're still a pretty good football team. Make no mistake about it. They can play. But they showed their weakness with their mental approach to very difficult circumstances. The LSU lost to Mississippi State. (laughs) (laughs) I laugh. Because uh, the, the Mississippi State approach to things, it's Rick Leach who is their new coach. He is a, reported to be, I've never interviewed the guy, but reported to be a very intelligent guy. He is also very strange. Uh, they <laughs> said to him, hey, how do you feel about beating LSU or playing LSU in your opener and beating them? And he said, well, we played them because... The Chiefs, the Chicago Bears, Baltimore Ravens weren't available. They were already <laughs> scheduled. Come on, Rick. Now, he did it, obviously, to be funny. But his, his sense of humor is a little strange. Uh, 
Mississippi State's win over LSU, not a surprise to me. I think Mississippi State, which Missouri has to play this year, mm-hmm. um, uh, is better than everybody thought they were going to be. And LSU has been just stricken with COVID-19. And those players, while they are recovered, are probably not in shape yet. So that, that didn't surprise me. Other good teams, uh, there are, uh, you know, Notre Dame. Notre Dame didn't play last week. It was a COVID-19 circumstance with Wake Forest. But their football team is pretty good. They're pretty well balanced. We haven't seen anything yet from the, the Big Ten, but we will starting later on in October. And the Pac-12, I'm not sure they'll really even figure into the playoffs since they're only playing the seven games. But as far as good football teams are concerned, Florida, Florida is very good. The Georgia ball club is very, very good. And Alabama, of course, is a yeah. cut above everybody. <laughs> See, I Josh, we mentioned them. So. That's right. Well, yeah, they're a cut. Look what they did to Missouri. 38-19 yeah. to 19 is the final score. It could have been a whole lot worse. Yes. Uh, Saban took his foot off the pedal with his players. Uh, they just utterly dominated the game in the early going, which, which can happen with a very good football team. Defensively, they're good. Offensively, they're better than good. That's just a really outstanding organization. What is your opinion about the reversal of the decision from the Big Ten, not going to play, and then now a few weeks in, oh, we're going to play. What do you think of all that? Well, part of it is ego-oriented, and I mean that on a collective basis. I really feel like the Big Ten Conference, when they pulled the plug, thought, you know what? We just did it. Everybody else is going to do it now. Yeah, right. And then they received lavish praise from at least a couple of sports writers who have, and I can promise you, neither one of them has ever played the game. <laughs> and I, I won't go into anything more, but I promise you neither one has. And they were lavish in their praise. They called it the correct decision. Oh, wait a minute. Who said it was the correct decision? I mean, it's not a matter of correct. They, they made the decision. You just called it correct, which I found to be a violation of every journalistic ethic that has ever come along. All right, all right. These, these writers said, all right, they've done the right thing, and the rest of the football is making a big mistake. Well, when the other leagues decided to play, mm-hmm. and the people of Big Ten, the uh, teams, the players, the coaches, some of the fans protested, I think the Big Ten said, you know what? I wonder if maybe we didn't pull the plug early. Maybe we should have considered this a little bit more. Maybe the health situation is one that we can justify and people aren't going to become all that overwhelmed with the illness. Made the decision to come back, and who follows? But the Pac-12, even though theirs is a seven-game schedule in November, the Mountain West, University of Massachusetts, which is not its 1A, but not one of the big-time 1A programs, decides to come back. American Athletic Conference stays. It's, it's just a situation in which... Yes, there's an illness, and it's a very serious illness. It isn't the first time we've had an illness and a rampage of viri around the country. It, you can't shut down life. And these athletes are there, yes, for an education, but part of their education is athletics, and it is part of the curriculum. They are there to forward that and bolster that as much as they can. I... I Fully agree with what they did, with, and I'm not looking at that from a, a sports announcer standpoint or from a fan standpoint, from a realistic part of society standpoint. You cannot shut down what has been the norm. John, your thoughts? I think in the end, 
I don't have a problem with the decision, but I think it's a bad look. And I brought this up about the NFL situation with fans being allowed for certain teams and other teams deciding not to do it. I think one of the big problems in sports right now is the fact there are so many different entities arguing these points. When with the NCAA, they could have said, yes, everyone will start play at this time. Instead, they left it up to the conference heads, and we see what happens. It's a staggered schedule. It's going to be messy. While I don't think anything's ever going to be exactly the same after this, I look forward to next year just in the fact where we might have some unilateral decisions. I think it's got to come from the top, and I think fans get frustrated with that. And at the end of the day, what we have to remember about college football is, guys, this decision is driven a lot by what we all work 40-hour weeks for, what we all use to pay our bills to feed our families. It is a lot of money. The NCAA lost staggering amounts of money after March Madness being canceled. It comes down to the fact, can they really afford these teams to not play this year? And I think at the end of the day, when the discussions are made, the risks outweigh the counter risks. Absolutely. I Talk about that. Just go back to a point that sure. you were making about the decisions being left up to individual teams. And that seems to be kind of the process with everything. Yes. And I'll say this. I saw a little bit of the Jacksonville game. They're one of the two, Kansas City and Jacksonville, that are allowing fans in. I think it actually looks worse to have a few just scattered fans <laughs> around the stadium than it does to have an empty stadium. And of all sports, because what you see mainly of a, a football game mm-hmm is the field Uh, basketball and baseball and hockey. You see fans are a little bit closer than they are in football. So it, for me, it hasn't bothered me to watch a game and not have that shot of the guy that pays astronomical sums of money to sit in the end zone and dress up like Darth Vader (laughs) for whatever team or a pig in, uh, in women's clothes. That doesn't bother me at all. So I think it's the one sport that's really lent itself to not having fans in the stadium. I know it costs money. I know it's costing a lot of people money, and Mm -hmm. I'm sympathetic to that. But I wish that the Chiefs and Jacksonville would just go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to follow suit. We're not going to have any fans. Because that smattering of fans that they had in Jacksonville yesterday just looked ugly. Didn't look good at all. You know, know, just from a, a point of debate yeah, the having the scattered fans of fifteen or sixteen thousand in a seventy-five or eighty thousand seat stadium doesn't look very good at all. But they are live human beings. It it is part of the part of the attraction of having a sports event. Uh, Joe, the baseball games without fans does bother me. It bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I can't say the football does as much as it does baseball because that is part of the attraction of going to a game is being a part of the entire atmosphere that that um, American pro sports and college sports is. That's what it is. I've had the opportunity now the last couple of weeks to do high school football on the radio. Mm-hmm. And the crowds, while they are there, are limited in number. And certainly the level of excitement has been muted a little bit by the fact that there aren't that many. That is part of our whole culture. And to have it shut down, no, that does bother me quite a bit. Well, interesting point that you make. I, I, my, my feeling, I guess, kind of to kind of put a bow on this is to just say, follow suit. Let's wait this out. Let's see, because maybe November we can let everybody can let some fans in. And then maybe as we go further along, 
the stadiums can refill again as we just all kind of play on the same page with everything. And I think that's the thing that's bothered me about sports and life in general. Everybody seems to be playing on a different page well, at this moment. There's no oh, question yes. about There's that. No question about playing. it at all. We're going to talk more, less about COVID and more about <laughs> sports. John will have his fantasy picks coming up in just a minute. It is Ned Talk, and we're right here live on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 725. That will be kickoff tonight for what many people think is one of the games of the year. The Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs will have every moment of it for you live right here on 104.7 The Cave, your home for the Kansas City Chiefs. We're about 25 minutes away from Art Haynes. Mitch Holt is taking over for the pregame show. I'm excited to uh, listen to their take on everything that's happening tonight. Let's also uh, check in with John because John takes care of our fantasy picks. It's brought to you by Fazoli's. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. So as far as my fantasy picks go, uh, this is one, if you're in deeper leagues, it's not going to be an option. But if you're in a smaller league, a lot of folks might have overlooked this gentleman. Josh Allen for the Bills is having an incredible season up to this point. He's got 100, or 100, 1,038 yards in the air, 10 touchdowns, one interception. If you need a quarterback or if you need an extra quarterback for a bye week for yours, he's a great one to look at. Now, my other pick, and I'm going to kind of preface this with a better pick. If for some reason you're in a league with folks that don't know a lot about football and you don't have Alvin Kamara on a roster... I would grab him immediately. He's a running back, and we've all heard his name many times in the past. He's got 153 yards on the ground. But what's interesting is he has 285 yards in the air being thrown to from Drew Brees. Now, obviously, Kamara may not be available. So if that's the case, if you're battling injuries, a name from the past that might be a great one to pick up on the waiver wire don't forget about future Hall of Famer Adrian Peterson. And there is a pun intended here. He is getting the lion's share of the carries for Detroit. <laughs> wow, John, did you write? Do you have, have you hired a writer to work on the, on the side for you? Or are you writing these yourself? No, just copious amounts of drugs. John, John's a, ter- John's a terrific writer, by the way. So I thought I'd just. And he is kidding. <laughs> I am absolutely kidding. No, he's not. Uh, <laughs> Ned, let's go back to something you talked about earlier. You uh, kind of previewed tonight's game by saying you don't think it will be as high scoring as predicted. What do you think we're going to see tonight? I think uh, a game that's probably going to be in the neighborhood of 30 to 24, somewhere in that vicinity. And one of the reasons I think that is that Baltimore's strategy is going to be very much the same as what the Los Angeles Chargers had last week. They are going to try to keep the Chiefs off the field, and they can do that. A very good running attack, and the Ingram kid from Alabama is a, a really wonderful runner. And they have other Dobbin, – the Dobbins uh, running back is also very good. And you have Lamar Jackson who in and of himself is an outstanding runner. I really look for Baltimore to concentrate with the ground game. Now, they'll keep things diversified, don't get me wrong. But in terms of quick scoring and lots of scoring, that that <laughs> it works to their deficiency. I know that sounds like a paradox, and in a way it is. But when you keep the Chiefs off the field, they can't score unless their defense does something spectacular. And the offense is in a situation in which you're going to have trouble stopping at any team. I don't care who you are. The offense is so sophisticated that they are going to rack up yardage 
and score. You know, the Chiefs are very interesting, too, because they do things in an explosive nature. They're not a consistently grinded-out team like the old Packers teams of the past. They hit you with the big plays, just like they did last week against the Chargers when they had to have them. And in the game against the Houston Texans, they also had the big plays in their key games. The 49ers in the Super Bowl last year, they hit you with that fourth-quarter explosion. Somewhere in the game, the Chiefs are going to explode. But those chances are going to be greatly reduced if they don't have the ball. And I look for Baltimore to be great practitioners of that. So as a result, I think the score will be, relatively speaking, low scoring. Let me ask you this. Baltimore's weak point for the last couple of years has been traditionally their strong point, and that's defense. Did they do anything to kind of shore up that side of the ball this season? Yep. Number one draft choice. Patrick Queen from LSU. (laughs) He's... He concentrates between middle linebacker and sometimes a nose guard. He's that good. And as we pointed out earlier in this broadcast, he has 17 tackles already in uh, two games this season. Uh, kids, kids tough. And I know that he has Mahomes zeroed in as, <laughs> as one of his key course. Patrick isn't the only one. You've got other variables in that backfield that are awfully tough to defend. Uh, Come on, Hilaire, uh, Edwards, Edwards Hilaire is going to be an awfully difficult barrier for them to solve, too, because of the speed, speed factor. Sammy Watkins, I would surprise, be surprised if he plays tonight. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't think he will start. But if he does play, if he doesn't play, if he doesn't play, that is a cog, Not certainly not the only one, but it's a cog taken out of their receiving core. And McCole Hardman comes in, and he's faster. That's right. <laughs> now, does he, have, does he have the hands that a Sammy Watkins has and the experience? Of course not. But you do have all those weapons in there. But you can't do it unless you have the football. I'm, I'm really interested to see just exactly how this happens tonight. John, who, what do you think we're going to see tonight? Um, to piggyback a little bit on what Ned said, I do think this is going to be a lower scoring game than most would expect. And I think one of the reasons for that is I equate this almost to, you know, back in the, the old days, a heavyweight prize fighter fights. You're going to see both of these teams. You've got two huge field generals, two very talented teams. And I think you're going to see a little bit of jabs to see what they can get away with, what they can't. So personally, I think the first quarter is going to be very low scoring while they feel each other out kind of see what they're dealing with. And for that reason, I just don't think it's going to be the offensive blast that many people say it will. It's interesting with Hardeman getting a shot. He really hasn't had many targets this year. He's been kind of the fourth man out on a three-man rotation. His breakaway speed is huge, but Ned brings up a good point. Does he have the hands? Is he ready for that? Is he ready to be prime time? And something that Chiefs fans have to consider as well Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, do we get week one, the running back that set the world on fire, or do we get last week with 10 carries for 38 yards? It would be interesting to see which version shows up tonight. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Ned, and your thoughts on that, because obviously Andy Reid is, uh, you know, he's a master tactician, and week one, we're going to jam the run down your throat, week two. He was more to the air, but I I really think they could have used Hilaire a little more than they mm-hmm. did last week, especially with all the pressure that came on Patrick Mahomes. You have a situation here with the Baltimore Ravens in which the D-backs have had some injury problems. Now, you have Marcus Peters back there. You have Marlon Humphreys, and these guys, these guys are pretty good, but the, I wouldn't call them great. And Peters, we have seen his 
Well, he uh, he does have some uh, <laughs> does have some deficiencies, including his mindset sometimes. But I, I look for Mahomes to test that defensive backfield quite readily in this ball game. A lot of it will depend on whether or not Kansas City is able to establish any kind of running game at all, because that that front defensive line of Baltimore's is pretty good, and I think that they are stacked and ready to go. And I also think that the Ravens have been to the, the game films from last week. They've seen what the Chargers did. They saw how Mahomes was pressured. Mm-hmm. Hey, Patrick Mahomes took some big hits yeah. out there yes, last week. Yes, he did. And uh, I don't care how good you are, how young you are, and how big you are, Mahomes is a big kid. You're going to feel them, and he's going to remember a lot of what happened. So I think the Ravens put a lot of pressure on Mahomes. Uh, but over and above that, you still have the fact that the Ravens can keep the ball on the field. They do have that ability. And I'm not sure that Kansas City's defense – well, we'll see. I can't, I'm not going to make a prediction along those lines. But uh, Kansas City's defense is going to have to come to the fore and force some turnovers. What do you think you're going to see tonight, John, from Baltimore because I they're they have a little bit of explosiveness to them too. Do they have to rein that back in to play the type of game that it looks like it's obvious that you have to play to beat the Chiefs? I think they do. I I don't think the deep threat game that they've run on certain teams in the past is going to work tonight. I think it's going to be a short passes, quick passes, offside runs. I think we're going to see a lot of that and you know I'm remiss if I don't mention his name every week. The Chiefs keep emphasizing how great of a decision it was to extend Tyron Matthew. He's come up big both weeks so far. He will play a major role in whether or not the Chiefs can stifle Lamar Jackson and company tonight, or if this becomes a track meet and we have receivers, receivers galore running down the field. I, I, this is, you know, like I said, when we started the, the broadcast night, the one game on the NFL scheduled circled in red. Uh, I think you're getting a, a Super Bowl 1A one here, possibly. I, I agree completely. Maybe, but remember now, it's early in the season, and these are, and we talked about this <laughs> earlier in the show, these are pro athletes. They are pro teams, and anybody can kick somebody's behind on any given day. All right, that is uh, just kind of a little sneak peek of what we think is going to happen tonight. Kickoff again coming up at 725 right here on 104.7 The Cave. 15 minutes away from the pregame with Mitch Holtis and Art Haynes. When we come back, Ned will tell us about his player of the week, and we'll do our picks for tonight's game. It is Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Yes, we are in the studio, live, your local live sports show. Yeah, it's your show. And we're just here sitting, chatting about things, talking about all things sports. Ned Reynolds with us, our radio roustabout. Johnny Bravo Oliver with me tonight. (laughs) I'm uh, the Moody Cat, Joe Weston. (laughs) That's my new nickname, by the way. Jay Stevens Stevens gave me that nickname. Uh, Let's find out from Ned from Mid-Missouri Bank who your player of the week is. John made a very good point just a short time ago in our last conversation that the Chiefs may have to go to a short passing game tonight. Mm -hmm. Ah, therein lies the target. Travis Kelsey, Mm -hmm. in six of the, he's had six or more receptions in 10 of the last 12 games. Obviously, he is the short target for Mahomes. 
He runs his patterns very well. He's a big, tough tight end. And I think the Ravens may have some trouble covering him. I think Baltimore will probably try to put a lot of pressure on Mahomes at the very start, take away their deep game. That leaves Travis Kelsey open. I look for him to be a star of the game, to grab a whole lot of passes from Mahomes. And on defense, I'm going to go with another chief. I think Chris Jones is due for a big game. Now, he doesn't have the quickness to stay with Lamar Jackson. But if if Jackson is flushed out of the pocket and runs at Chris (laughs) Jones, good night. (laughs) Those two I'm going to pick as players of the game. That's the player of the week from Ned Reynolds. It's brought to you by Mid-Missouri Bank. Let's uh, check in with John and see who you're kind of thinking of will be the player of the week or uh, you know we've just left this open we were talking about it before the show ned says you know somebody that's going to play or somebody that has played right so you can pick anybody you want no rules here let's see honestly as far as the chiefs go for this week i'm gonna go out on a limb i'm gonna pick mccole hardeman because i love what i see from him he's a mature kid he's got all of the athletic talent in the world i'm gonna try to try to be hopeful that he finds himself tonight it's an odd season compared to last year where you're not seeing the receptions and the yardage passed around as much it's not next man up and you're seeing mainly kelsey and hill get the majority of the receptions so i hope hardaway can or hardaway hardeman can sneak his way in tonight do you think that the reason why they're getting the majority of the receptions is big contracts no i I don't think that enters into it the 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 players want to win. That's yeah. why they're there. I think it's part of the game plan. I think it's how defenses are setting up against Kansas City. After all, now, Mahomes is not new to this plan now. This is his third year as the starting quarterback. So the defensive coaches have probably tried to devise plans that are going to take away from some of his games and some of his favorite targets. So I think you're going to see things differ in that respect. No, I don't think the contract comes into it at all. That's part of the part of the uh, motion of the game and part of how seasons go. I don't think it's a concentration, no. Okay, so your prediction for tonight's game, you said earlier low scoring, you kind of give us a snapshot of your of your score. Who wins and what's your final score? I think Kansas City wins. I think they win by a score of 30-24 to 24 in a close game that may come down to the final few plays. But I think the fact that Kansas City has just that moxie, that attitude, that mindset of how to win games. And they are the Super Bowl champions. And don't think that isn't important, folks. It resonates very clearly with every other team and with the Chiefs. They know what to do. They know how to do it. And the general on the sidelines, Andy Reid, is very, very bright. I do think the Chiefs win it. Last week, we were fortunate enough in the studio to speak to Nick Lowry. He came down here for a game to watch. And we talked about Harrison Bucker and... um, he had three field goals at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of them counted, right? But it did count, and uh, cool as a cucumber. And yes. he may be, he may honestly be the difference maker for them this well, year. He is, he is a magnificent kicker. There's no question about that. And I want to tell you that uh, he had actually had two 58 yard field goals in that game. Well, after the first one, I was I normally have the sound down on the TV, but I had it turned up a little bit, and the. I love this. The announcer says, he just kicked a 58-yard field goal. That ties the Chiefs record set by, quote, 
Nick Lowry so many years ago. Oh, end boy. Quote. So I immediately <laughs> got out my text, and I said, he's down in Republic at this event down there for uh, Officer Preby. And I texted him. I said, you just got a shout-out on television that it was so many years ago, and I got LOL. <laughs> Pretty soon I got a text back and <laughs> that said, yeah, but it's been around for 37 years. <laughs> what a great comeback. A great comeback. Yeah, you, we, you got that competitive fire from him just in talking to him. Mm-hmm. You just you could feel it over the phone. John, your prediction for tonight, who's going to win? What's the score going to be? Well, going back to what I said earlier, I think once the rope-a-dope stop and the, the little quick slant patterns, I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game than people expect. I am picking the Chiefs, but I'm going to pick them 21-17. I think it's going to be a dogfight, and I think it's going to be lower-scoring. Okay, I'm going to go to the opposite route, you guys, just to just to be interesting. I think you these by t- opposite, you mean you're going higher scoring? Highest, <laughs> higher, yes. You're not going to pick the Ravens. No, I'm not going to pick the Ravens. I won't be surprised if the Ravens win tonight. Is sure. anybody in the room would Would you be surprised yeah. if the Ravens? Absolutely, win? you can't Nobody. be with a team no. of that caliber. They're a good team. I, and I've seen most people pick the Chiefs, and I think that uh, even though you say. These guys are professional athletes. I think that bulletin board material and uh, pride and sometimes that sort of thing works into it more than we like to think that it does more than a paycheck. And I, I so I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens won. I'm not going to pick them to win. I'm, I, I do want to drive home on all four tires tonight. So I will pick the Chiefs <laughs> to win. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because I think those secondaries are pretty, for both teams, are pretty suspect. So I'm going to go... Forty-two thirty-five. Well, just to mm. back what you said, remember the last time we had one of these games of the century? It was the uh, <laughs> Chiefs and the Rams. And that was a great game. And it was moved from Mexico City to Los yes. Angeles, and it turned out to be 54-51. to 51. Yes, it did. Uh, anything is possible, but I really don't think that's going to happen tonight. I don't think so this it evening. Was a, it was just a huge track meet. It was. <laughs> that that game was, and it was just... So, real quickly, as we wrap up the show tonight, you're difference maker somebody that's that you think we talked about Harrison Bucker is it him who's the difference maker for the Chiefs that tonight that makes them the better team than the Ravens it uh it depends on what level the end the uh, the difference maker is going to be on defense I like Honey Badger I ran Matthew John, your difference maker. I'm gonna since I already talked about Matthew, I'm gonna go a little bit different. The, with the secondary being as depleted as it is, I really look and I hope Juan Thornhill keeps coming up big. He's flown under the radar after his ACL injury last year. I think people forget about him. He's super athletic and he is a smart, smart kid. Well, I talked about it earlier, Harrison Becker. What a difference that he made last week in a game that the Chiefs really had to grind out to win that game. You were talking about them not being grinders. That was a grind-out win last week. (laughs) So I'm going to say that it's him because I don't think the uh, Ravens have a kicker of that caliber on their side. I don't think anybody does has a kicker of their calendar on that side. So I'm going to give it to them. As always, Ned, thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh, hanging out and talking about sports. It's one of my favorite nights of the week. Always a pleasure. And we'll be back. uh, When are we going to be back? Next Sunday. Next Sunday. That's right. We're going to have a uh, Patriots-Chiefs matchup, and this time it's in Arrowhead. That's right. But with no fans. Now, John, now keep in mind, though, it is a 1 o'clock. It is a 1 o'clock. It is 1 o'clock. Wait a minute. Let's double-check that. Says three Pocket schedule engaged. Pocket schedule. No, it is not. It is, an, it is 10 o'clock in the morning? No, it, we will be on air at 1, but the game will be at 325. Well, that's what I meant. Okay, that's uh, what you meant. Okay. Uh, okay. We're John. confusing. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> 
You're Clean it up. You're pulling the Randy Moss on me? Come on, Clean man. Clean it up, guys. Clean it up. John, thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Like I said, we'll be back Sunday sometime. We'll be on the air broadcasting a show. Thanks to Ned. Thanks to John. Thanks to Josh Roberts. I want to thank Corbin Campbell. Mike the Intern, and of course our uh, chief head honcho around here, his name is Scott Meyer. I'm Joe Weston. Nick Fury takes over next. Chiefs and the Ravens. 4.7 The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. Your home for the Kansas City Chiefs and Springfield's pure.